2: Today is Friday, April 7th, 2023, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. As we speak, Vice President Kamala Harris is in Nashville meeting with the Tennessee Three, as well as other Democratic lawmakers, as well as students and other young folks who are demanding gun control in that state after a tragic shooting at a, at a Tennessee uh, Christian Academy where six folks were killed, including three children. On today's show, we'll be talking with former representative Justin Jones, one of two Two expelled yesterday by Republicans in the legislature. Also, Reverend William Barber will also join us. Uh, Commissioner Tammy Sawyer will join us as well. Uh, in addition to a member of the Nashville City Council, they will be determining of appointing the person to replace Jones, and people say it should be Jones. We'll also talk about what's happening in Shelby County, where Memphis, the Shelby County Commissioners, will determine who replaces uh, former representative Justin uh, Pearson. Hmm, but why are folks saying that the mayor of Memphis, Jim Strickland, is calling commissioners saying not to do so? We'll hear from Tammy Sawyer exactly what is happening in Memphis. Chuck D. joins us on today's show as well plus the mother of Ronald Green will chat with her about what's happening in Louisiana with her son's case it is a jam packed show it is time to bring the funk i'm Roland martin unfiltered on the black star network let's go whatever the it
3: whatever Let's hit. It.
2: This is video of her arriving today in Nashville. It was a late decision by the White House to send the vice president there to meet with the Tennessee Three. That is the three Democratic lawmakers, two black, one white, targeted by Republicans uh, in the legislature. Two of those African-Americans yesterday were expelled. Uh, That is Justin Pearson as well as Justin Jones. Uh, The vice president uh, is meeting, met with them privately. That meeting is taking place right now. She's on the campus of Fisk University. She also will be making public comments. We'll be carrying that live right here on uh, Roland Martin unfiltered as soon as she makes uh, those remarks. Folks, it has been a tumultuous week there in Nashville uh, as Republicans have been angry that these three Democratic lawmakers stood with the protesters demanding gun control in the wake of six people being killed at a Christian academy, three of them children. Uh, folks, uh, it has been, uh, uh, they've been criticized, they've been uh, attacked by many people because of the decision they made because the three Democratic lawmakers, they say broke a House rule. A House rule. Not a law, a House rule. Uh, The ramifications of this, uh, folks, are significant. And what I have been saying to you, there's a through line between what what happened here in Tennessee to what Republicans are doing in Georgia. Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina. So we must not understate uh, exactly what is going on. This is served as a galvanizing moment for Democrats in Tennessee, but also across the country. Now, what happens next? The Nashville City Council will determine, will appoint who replaces Jones. Uh, Lots of pressure being applied to them to likely appoint him. Uh, Based upon the folks I've talked to, it's a lock that he is going to be reappointed. Uh, A little bit later on the show, we'll talk with the city council member there from Nashville. Now, in Memphis, uh, where Justin Pearson is from, the Shelby County Commissioners will determine who uh, fills his seat right now. Now, they need seven votes in order to get him appointed. My understanding, five votes right now, too short. And Mayor Jim Strickland of Memphis, who does not have a vote on the commission, What we've been told is he's been uh, calling uh, commissioners saying not to appoint Pearson because Republicans will hold back funding for FedEx and other uh, issues there in Memphis. Joining us right now is Tammy Sawyer. Uh, Tammy Sawyer served uh, as elected official there uh, in um, uh, Memphis, in Shelby County. Uh, Glad to have you here. Uh, You tweeted out earlier uh, what you're hearing uh, there when it comes to Jim Strickland. Share with our audience.
4: Thanks for having me, Roland. It's always a pleasure to join you. So here in Memphis, the Shelby County Commission will convene next Wednesday in order to vote on reappointing Justin Pearson. And in the background, there has been calls to several commissioners uh, asking them to either withhold their vote or to delay the vote uh, while the city continues to try to get funding from the Republican state uh, for the FedEx Forum where the Grizzlies play, as well as for Regional One, our medical center
2: now you served as a commissioner there in shelby county uh and so you understand uh, how things work there uh jim strickland is a democrat uh and and so uh, first of all has he made any public comment because clearly uh democrats in tennessee are angry with what republicans are doing what is he saying
4: uh, Jim Strickland is your classic case of a white dino, a Democrat in name only. Uh, actually, there was an effort to get him de over the last few years as he supported Republican candidates instead of Black Democratic candidates as recently as the last election cycle. So, no, he has not made a statement. He actually sent out his weekly newsletter. Uh, it came out today with no mention of the expulsion. Uh, while everyone up to our Democratic congressman, Steve Cohen, who is also a white man, has said something, but Strickland has said nothing. Um, and is ignoring anybody's attempts to get him to comment.
2: Um, Obviously, uh, folks want a circling of the wagon. The video we're showing right now uh, is one of those parents at Covenant uh, who lost their child. This was Justin Pearson, uh, 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 you know, hugging her. Uh, They were, of course, uh, there uh, in uh, the chamber on yesterday. Uh, Just share with us your perspective on what you saw unfold there in Nashville yesterday.
4: It was classic Nashville GOP racism. The fact that the two Black brothers were expelled and Gloria Johnson, through no fault of her own, a white woman, uh, was not expelled just shows exactly uh, the deep racial animus that exists. Nashville, uh, the Nashville House has worked very hard to punish Memphis for being independent, for being majority Black, for being the biggest Democratic holding in the state. Um, And this is a continuation of that. And as you see in in the video, Justin Pierce, is wearing a dashiki, and they told him that that violated House rules, which is why he has to wear a suit coat over his dashiki. So, from the beginning, these two young outspoken Black men are in their first uh, term, and they have just been penalized left and right, removed from committees, uh, silenced continuously. Here in the video, we see them calling recess on these brothers um, and just over and over again punished for being outspoken and being the voice of Black people in Tennessee.
2: Uh, do you believe that that what this has done is served as a galvanizing moment? The vice president is there, and like I said yesterday, Democrats should be taking advantage of this opportunity because people are pissed off.
4: People are angry, and rightfully so. This is tied to gun rights, but it also shows, again, how racism is just infecting our democracy more and more every day. Um, And I hope it's a galvanizing moment. We just had an election, so I don't know how it will impact turnout in the next year or two, because outside of the reelection of both Justins, we won't have another election. Um, But I think that this is, one, a, a launching pad for both Justins to be national leaders and have their voice heard on issues related to Black people. Um, but also for people to see the type of organizing that we're doing in Tennessee. People write off black activists and black po- politicians who represent the South. They think we should leave the South, give up on the South. But why would we give up on the land that we built? Um, and hopefully people will see that like Georgia, like Mississippi, like Alabama, Tennessee, black people
2: we're organizing and leading to. All right. Uh Tammy Saul, you would certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you, folks. Um, on April 17th. Uh, a group of uh, clergy from different denominations. They have invited Reverend Dr. William J. Barber and Repairs of the Breach to come and have a Moral Monday there in Tennessee. Reverend Barber joins us right now. Uh, Reverend Barber, this is Good Friday. Uh, we just uh, of course commemorated the assassination of Dr. King uh, three days ago uh, there in Memphis uh, and uh, when you, what you see unfolding here is a continuation of the battle where uh, you had uh, Dr. King going after Mayor Loeb there in Memphis with the sanitation workers of 55 years ago, and now you still have folks fighting uh, these what used to be Southern Democrats who are now Republicans, uh, with, 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 with frankly, what is the rise of Confederacy again?
5: You, you do, Roland. And one of the things that I think that we also have to think about in this moment, and, and I want to say this very clearly, you know, Dr. King, uh, when those four girls were killed in Birmingham, jail, I mean Birmingham Church, and when Jimmy Lee Jackson was killed, James Lee, he said who killed them. And then he gave a list. Now, that list that Dr. King did, Roland, you and I have talked about it, it was quite uh, harsh. <laughs> he said every Negro that has sat on the sideline, he said every white politician that is engaged in these policies, every sheriff, he you know, He named, he said every preacher that has not moved. And so here we are in, in, a, in a situation where where we've got this thing around the guns and these three legislators, and by the way, by the way, one of the things we should list is they were not out of order; they were trying to be in order. They were trying to do regular debate, and what happened was the speaker began to to uh, cut off the mics and stop debate, and would not allow them to be able to to to, to say anything. So they were forced to do this. They were forced to do it, but but Roland, you raised this point, and I want to raise it. However, we got to go deeper on this because right now it's around these guns and the killing of our babies and 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 um, uh, 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 bringing people together. One of the reasons we're going to do Moral Monday, and they wanted us to come, was to expand it. You know, Moral Monday is not just a day; it's a season because this same legislature. Maryland has blocked Medicaid expansion. You know what happens when people block Medicaid expansion? People die. This same legislature has blocked living wages and kept people poor. You know, 700 people die a day from poverty. This same legislature, uh, uh, uh when they wanted to pass a resolution around Dr. King's birthday, because they included remarks that had been made by the Poor People's Campaign and others and talked about poverty and dealing with gun violence and dealing with health care, they would not approve it until all of that stuff was taken out. So this legislature has been a death thing legislature for a long time. And the truth of the matter is what even one of the clergy said today, we all need to repent because we should have been standing up long time ago. But since the time is now, let's do it. Let's keep it going. And let's not just stop with the uh, critique on the gun laws, this in, this extremist legislature, like so many in the South, uh, is death dealing because the policies it promotes are not benign. They hurt people, they destroy lives, and they undermine people's health and well-being. And and when it's pushed to the nth degree, they care more about guns and bullets than the lives
2: of babies. Video we're playing right now from the Tennessee Holler. Uh, This was shot earlier today. People are still mobilizing there. Uh, And Uh, I I just think, Reverend Barber, again, we always talk about how moments turn into movements. And right. uh, look, these are so the actions of these Republicans to six people being killed in a school is to is to expel two black lawmakers, not deal with the problem. And so uh, do you you see the opportunity in Tennessee, what happened in North Carolina with More Mondays, where it started with 17 people, it was African-American, but then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of white folks, a whole bunch of firefighters and police officers and teachers uh, begin to realize, wait a minute, this stuff impacts us too, not just black folk.
5: Exactly. In fact, it started with 17 people, seven clergy, 10 people. The one, first woman that got arrested was a white woman in a wheelchair. But it also started over one bill when they decided to block uh, health care. Then they decided to deny living wages and they decided to deny voting rights. And people said, wait a minute. And guess what, Roland? It happened in April. <laughs> it happened, right? The, the, the thing that caused us to move mobilize tomorrow Monday was during Holy Week in 2013, They passed the worst voter suppression bill in the history of the the state since Jim Crow, and we said if they're going to crucify health care, crucify living wages, and and crucify voting rights, there always must be a witness at a crucifixion and declare that it's wrong. People stood up. We didn't know where it was going to go, but as you said, moments can turn into movement if we think movement, and I think people are thinking movement. I think what you're seeing is we can galvanize black and white and brown people. If the narrative shifts... The South is not really red. It's unorganized and, and 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 unmobilized. And so here is a powerful opportunity. They take out these, try to take out these three legislators. Watch what Justin Pearson and Justin uh, uh, Jones have done, though. And and the, and the white lady that's there. Number one, she's she wouldn't allow them to split them from her, even though they didn't expel her. Notice how every time Justin goes to the mic, he's saying, "Look, this is not just about me being a legislator. This is about them trying to." To shut down the voices of my 70,000 constituents. This is a moral issue. This is this is about them trying to block public policy. This is about democracy. They are skillful. I've known both of them for a while, especially Justin Jones. They are being very skillful, and they're leading us. They're not allowing it to be about a personality cult. They allow, they're, they're forcing this to be about a movement, about principle, and about shifting public policy. We stay here Yes, this can. This is a movement can build across this nation. That's why we're going. To, we were invited to go there on April 17th. We've got um, Muslims and Christians and Jews and people of faith, pastors, clergy people uh, who, who, who may not be people of faith, but who believe in the deep uh, uh, moral values of our Constitution. On the 17th of, of April at 11 o'clock, we're going to be marching. And guess what, Roland? We're taking caskets. We're going to be in full vestment. We're not going to let them change the subject away from this, this death-dealing public policy that will kill babies and block health care and block... Living. No, 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 we're not doing that. And we're not stopping in Nashville. We're coming there, and when we go to Nashville, I'm not going there to speak and lift up me. It's to lift up the prophets that are already there, the people that are there. Mm-hmm. And then we are turning now toward Washington, D.C., and the Congress in Washington, D.C. So, th- yes, this is a moment that is a movement. And I'm so thankful that the the, the two young men that are at the center of this understand movement building, understand how to keep an issue focused. And I'm also glad that when they chose not to uh, expel the white lady, she didn't take the bait. She didn't take the bait, right? She said, oh, no, 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 no. You may not have expelled me. And she said, but I know exactly why you didn't do it because I'm a white woman and you're trying to separate me and that's not
2: going to happen. Uh, Last question for you. Uh, We talk about, you said, again, people are not mobilized. They're not organized. Uh, Look, you know, we have been uh, making calls to the Tennessee chapter of the NAACP uh, to find out what they're doing. Earlier today, the Nashville branch of the NAACP, uh, they actually held held a news conference there. I mean, this is one of those moments, frankly, uh, where uh, NAACP, Urban League, National Action Network, Rainbow Push Coalition, Black Voters Matter, Until Freedom, uh, Alphas, uh, AKAs, Deltas, Divine Nine, Prince Hall Mason, Eastern Star, the Lynx, all of these black groups uh, must be utilizing their power and their membership and putting them into action.
5: Exactly. Now, let's be honest. Justin, both of them have done some things prior to this moment, and they didn't have the support they should have had in other areas. Now they're here. Let's move beyond that, but we gotta repent of that. Secondly, it's gonna take more in the press conference, and you have to bring more than just a race critique to this moment. You've got to be able to deal with race and class. You've got to be able to step into the issue. Look at the crowds that they look now. You gotta be okay with being around uh, white women and and, and 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 white men and children, and you gotta make this about a moral issue. A uh, 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 press conference. This it, is a long term battle. Look, even Governor K- Kasich, who used to be out of Ohio, said on MSNBC the other day, and, and I don't agree with his policies. He up- created a lot of this mess. Right. He said, We need something as long as what happened in Montgomery, over 300 and some odd days. The same is true here. Yep. And and this moment, it, we must mobilize. So I'm like you, Roland. Everybody that claims they're in movement building needs to be engaged in this movement. We need to repent for when we haven't been engaged. This is not the time to be behind the closed doors trying to cut little deals. This is about mass movement to yep. shift mass public policy for fundamental change.
2: Reverend William Barber, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Let's go live to Fisk University, where Nashville Councilmember Joyce Stiles is there. The video you saw there uh, was of Justin Jones and Justin Pearson arriving there uh, at Fisk uh, University. Uh, Glad to have you with us, Councilwoman Stiles. Uh, Has the vice president arrived there yet?
6: She is actually getting ready to make her way over. Our senators and our congresspeople just walked in, as well as Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and also Gloria Johnson.
2: Uh, and so the vice president, I understand there was a private meeting that took place. She's also going to be, should be making some public remarks.
6: That is correct. Uh, they just finished over in the library, and they are on their way over here to Fisk Chapel.
2: Um, this has been obviously uh, a, a, a very contentious. Uh, you're, you're, you're the city council. Y'all have to make a decision as to who is going to uh, replace Jones. Uh, my understanding that, uh, that council members there are, are standing strong and they, and they want him to return to the legislature to represent uh, his district. We absolutely do. What happened this week was absolutely
6: ridiculous. How do you expel someone who is fighting for their constituents? We are a city that is grieving and is mourning right now the death of six people. If we have the worst gun laws in this country. And instead of focusing on that and beginning to have the conversation about fixing our gun laws, instead you expel people based on decorum? That makes absolutely no sense. So yes, the city council in Nashville, our mayor, our elected officials, we are standing with the three. And And that's the
2: right thing to do. And uh, the city council, so y'all are meeting on Monday, correct?
6: Correct, at
2: 4.30. Uh, and uh, it, when it comes to um, making, that, uh, making that decision, uh, obviously, uh, it, it is a momentous one. And, and for people who don't know, uh, look, the Republicans have been attacking Nashville. They split the city up, its congressional district, into three other areas. They've been gerrymandering the place. Uh, they also uh, are trying to penalize uh, Nashville yeah. when it came to uh, the Republican National uh, Convention. They wanted it to come to Nashville. They were angry with Democrats there. And so people have to understand, this thing is way bigger than just uh, these three members. Uh, There is a wholesale attack on Democrats in
6: Tennessee. 100%. And this has been ongoing, as you said, since August, since we said no. We did not want the drama of having the RNC here at this time. We would have had a week of Proud Boys and all of their cronies, and it wouldn't have been right to our constituents to put them in jeopardy. Several people claim that they don't understand our concerns, but this is a reality that we're living in right now. So we put our constituents first, and to be frank, I would vote the same today if that vote was in front of me yet again. Right now, we are sitting, waiting to hear on the injunction as to whether or not we're going to be cut in half. They passed the bill on March 9th. Effectively cutting us to 20 members, the city filed a lawsuit, and we are waiting right now to hear about the injunction as to whether we're going to run as 40 members as usual, or we're going to be running as 20 members with brand new districts.
2: The uh, and uh, just just for uh, also let folks know what are they trying to do to y'all? Will y'all in the airport? Oh, so that's
6: that's the the other punishment. So we have a an airport authority, and so the the governor has decided he would like to take some of those seats over, and he would like to appoint his own people. They're doing the very same thing with our sports authority. We're in the midst of voting on a Titan Stadium, and he wants to come in and take over five of those positions and be able to appoint his own people. At the end of the day, what we're talking about is a group of people that do not live in an urban area, do not understand urban governance, and are making decisions from rural areas. You cannot have people that are just sitting on 40 acres, don't know what it's like to have almost a million people to make decisions for and create budgets for, making decisions for us, because this seems exciting for them.
2: Um, absolutely. Again, if you could just do our, our our viewers a favor, just flip your camera. I just want them to see uh, the people who are there on the Fisk campus uh, as they are waiting. Absolutely. They're, they're waiting. The vice president there. Uh, obviously, you've got uh, a lot of students there, but you got folks uh, from all across uh, the city and state. So just just uh, set the scene for us. Describe for us what uh, what's happening there. So
6: um, we just got started. Uh, my colleague. Uh, Zolfa Zawara, who is our very first Muslim elected to office in the state of Tennessee, kicked us off very passionately. She's very close uh, with Representative Jones and basically encouraged us to say, no more. What are we doing? Hold our representatives accountable. Let us come up with some good gun laws. Right now, we have permitless carry. You can get a pint of vanilla ice cream and a gun if you feel like it right now all at the same time. And that makes absolutely no sense. And so we have students that are here. We have local activists that are here that are speaking and calling out that we do the right thing. Technically, by law, in the state, we are supposed to wait four weeks before we hold this vote. And we said, no, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna hold it on Monday. And, and uh, the vice president, I believe, is making her way uh, around the block. So when we start to see her, will certainly transition. Uh, the phone that way. But yes, um, it, it's an, it is an amazingly weird time in Tennessee. We have been under assault since that vote. They have been coming after education. They, we just renamed the street Representative John Lewis Way two years ago, and they put a bill forth this year to name it President Donald J. Trump Boulevard. And the only reason why that did not pass is because, <laughs> frankly, the fool who decided to put the bill forth got caught um, liking um, some homosexual posts and putting comments on it. And so um, they said, we probably should just pull this one back, because it's it's going to cause us a lot of trouble if we continue.
2: Wow. Um, well, look, I know yeah. uh, uh, that, that is, uh, that is uh, unbelievable. Okay,
6: if, you can, if you can hear,
2: yep. I, I, I believe there's a
6: I think she might be making her way, but she's around the corner.
2: Okay. (laughs) Uh, All right. So um, uh, let us know if you have to get inside, uh, because typically what happens, they close those doors and lock them down. Uh, So.
6: uh... Well, so far so good.
2: Since she's not in the
6: building just yet,
2: I'm okay. OK, thank you. All right. Well, uh, just, just let, let us know because we don't want you to get locked out. I'm sure we, I'm sure you want to be inside uh, to, hear, to, he, to hear her speak. So uh, <laughs> so let's so let's just do this here. What we'll do is go ahead and do that. And what we'll do is uh, we will uh, we'll ho- hopefully we'll um, be able to carry her uh, remarks live. Uh, and but we appreciate you joining us. Uh, and we definitely can't wait to see what happens on Monday.
6: Well, thank you very much for having me, and hopefully we'll be able to ke- check in uh, about how it goes on Monday. But I really do think we're going to be voting to have have him
2: reinstated. All right, because it's the right thing to do. All right, Councilwoman, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Happy Easter. Likewise, folks. This is a live feed here from Channel 5. Uh, What's happening in uh, the Fisk Chapel? Uh, we're going to go to a break. Uh, you can, uh, you should be able to. Uh, yeah, guys, you have the audio. All right. So uh, we are again, uh, we uh, we are we are trying to uh, get uh, this is a a feed from the uh, let's see if we now have it. Let's see here. So, again, there are a variety of speakers there. We're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to commercial break, and we'll come right back, folks, on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network.
3: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence.
2: White people are losing their damn minds.
8: Feel the hidden impacts of climate change that land harder in black, brown, and native communities.
10: Not many people talk about it because they clearly don't know our lives. But with President Biden's landmark infrastructure and climate plans, our issues are finally seen.
8: Removing lead pipes means we know our water is safe. Cutting carbon pollution helps our kids breathe easier. 1.5 million new jobs means stable work in communities. The impact we need
2: right now. Hi, I'm Israel Houghton with Israel and New Breed. What's up, what's up? I'm Dr. Ricky Dillard, the choir master. Hey, yo, Peace World, what's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Folks, this is a live feed from the Fisk Chapel, uh, where shortly City. Vice President Kamala Harris will be speaking uh, there. I want to introduce my panel who joins me today on today's show, Civil Rights Attorney Matt Manning, uh, Michael Imhotep, <laughs> host of the African Uh, History uh, Network show, also legal analyst Candace Kelly. Glad to have all three of you here. Um, Again, what we are seeing uh, play here, uh, Candace, uh, is Republicans doing what they do, that is uh, pushing hard when it comes to their power. Uh, They made this decision. Uh, you, you listen to all of them, these interviews, talk about all the Constitution uh, was being in trouble and all this sort of stuff. Give me a break. It was a it was a simple House rule. No, this is meant to send a message to Democrats and to their voters. We have the power. We have the super majority. We can do what the hell we want anytime we want it.
8: That's right. We can do what we want anytime we want it. And we can do the same thing that they did and we won't get in trouble for it. And I think one of the things that we've been talking about tonight that's really important is that this really is a part and is going to be the beginning of another mass movement. Here we have young black men who have been making their voices be heard in a way that we really haven't seen before on a national level, this age, two of them, on the floor, having their mics cut off, getting their First Amendment rights just kind of cut out of the whole system. And so I think what we're looking at here is a culture shift that not just Tennessee is going to have to deal with, but the United States of America is going to have to deal with to understand that this next generation is not just up and coming. This next generation is here. What these Republicans can't understand and can't grapple with is that these aren't the people that they could commune and interact with on a normal level. These aren't the people who, who are going to be at the Thanksgiving table, right? So this is all new to them. And so for them, this is a whole culture shift that is going to, it's going to have to settle. People are going to have to understand that you know, when you look at a young black man, you're not just looking at him in the way that the media builds him up anymore and how we see, him, see them in police videos. We are now seeing articulate right because they like that word we have to be articulate we're seeing articulate black men on the floor making their voices heard and that is something that republicans are going to have to deal with just the same way that they're going to have to deal with um, these these uh, these weapons that we don't want to see the laws move on
2: michael this email from the uh, pool report of uh, the pool that's covering vice first of all, president joe biden is in mississippi today Uh, meeting with folks who were impacted by the devastating storms that went through the tornado that killed a number of different people. i go to my iPad. This afternoon, the president spoke via conference. This is from the White House. This afternoon, the president spoke via conference call with State Representative Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson. The three officials subjected to expulsion votes in the Tennessee State House yesterday for peacefully protesting in support of stronger gun safety laws following the recent shooting at Covenant School in Nashville. The president thanked them for their leadership in seeking to ban assault weapons and standing up for our democratic values. The officials thanked the president for his leadership on gun safety and for spotlighting the undemocratic and unprecedented attacks on them this week in the Tennessee State House. The president invited the three leaders to the White House in the near future. Obviously, uh, Michael, the White House did not waste any time. They dispatched Vice President Kamala Harris there to Nashville. This again is one of those moments where if you're this White House, uh, you you step up uh, and you recognize the energy that is around this issue, that this thing is way bigger than the three of them. It's way bigger than Jones and Pearson being expelled. This really is about a severe threat to democracy when Republicans have supermajorities in state legislatures.
1: Absolutely, Roland. And they did the right thing by uh, putting this statement out. Uh, They did the right thing by sending Vice President Kamala Harris. But what we have to understand, Roland, we've talked about this here on this show before. Your book, White Fear, deals with this. This is a continuation of the collapse of Reconstruction. And this is a continuation of the Jim Crow era that comes after Reconstruction, which was designed to suppress African-American political power, Okay, What we saw that took place yesterday was a high-tech political lynching. That's what it was in Tennessee, a former Confederate state that has a history of physically lynching African-American men. A lot of those, white, a lot, a lot of those white Republicans—I'm not going to call them white supremacists, but I think many of them are—but a lot of those white Republican men who voted to expel them it, uh, 70, 80 years ago, they would have, many of them would have been involved in a physical public lynching. They couldn't do that, so they did a. Uh, high-tech political lynching of these African-American men. And we have to, uh, the fallout from this, Roland, yep. I can't help but compare this to 2015 in the state of Indiana, when Indiana passed their Indiana uh, uh, Religious Freedom Bill, which was the transgender bathroom bill, and all these corporations came out in opposition to it. And within one week, the, the the Indiana state legislature was forced to change the bill, and uh, then Governor Mike Pence of Indiana signed the into law. Where are the white corporations today denouncing this and putting economic pressure on these Republicans, who many of them help finance? And also, there are four, my understanding, four gun manufacturers in Nashville as well, and they finance many of these Republicans also. So we have to understand that we also, in in, as, in addition to. Mass protests, as Dr. King correctly told us, we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of the economic withdrawal. We have to put economic pressure on these corporations as well.
2: Uh, the uh, looks like I think the um, either the representatives or vice the vice president. Let's go back to the live chat, please, uh, of what's happening at Fish Chapel uh, a few moments ago. So don't um, again, you again when you uh, don't folks came in. Let's mean. take this live.
7: Now, Nashville has lost a voice in Congress to gerrymandering. And now we've lost a voice to expulsion. But this one we can recover. And on Monday, our council is going to do just that. in the wake of this terrible tragedy at Covenant, let's be determined to make common sense.
2: He said something there that was critically important Instead when he said uh, this, is, this has happened because of gerrymandering. And that's really what Republicans have done. They have gerrymandered themselves into power. Supreme Court ruled in a case that came out of Wisconsin that they cannot get involved in political gerrymandering, which then means, well, if you already have gerrymandered states and they gerrymandered the state state legislatures and they gerrymandered the state Supreme Court, hell, uh, it's it's hard to overcome that. And that's one of the reasons why you have Republican supermajorities in Tennessee, in South Carolina, North Carolina, florida and all these different places it's because of political gerrymandering
11: i'm assuming that's for me roland and yep. that's correct uh in fact as it relates to gloria johnson she had to run for a new district because they gerrymandered her old district that she was already serving in and she uh had agreed not to run against.
2: matt hold the tight name. one second i believe the vice president is now coming into fish chapel let's go live there folks All right, Matt. Go ahead and make your comment. All right. Well, let's see here. Cheers. All right. Looks like the vice president is now coming in.
9: it's good to see you again. And I thank you for your leadership and the courage with which you have led um, for your tenure, but in particular over these last weeks. Uh, The mayor met with me every time I come, and you have been a clear voice around what smart governance can look like when people have the courage to lead. So, before I discuss the reason for our convening, I do want to mention uh, the devastating tornadoes that have taken place in the state over the last two weeks and across this region. Lives have been lost here in Tennessee. Um, And as many of you know, the President, our President Joe Biden, approved today a disaster declaration. And we will continue to support the families and the community. Um, And our prayers and our thoughts are with all of those who have been affected. So, we are here at Fisk University. that. So, as the students, as the young leaders here know, the legacy of this extraordinary place of education in America has produced leaders who have gone on to be not only national leaders, but global leaders. And I'm reminded in particular this afternoon of two of those leaders the late, great John Lewis. And, of course, the phenomenal Diane Nash. And what they learned and then taught was that If one is to understand that you are born a leader, and it is just a matter of when you decide to kick that in, then you know that we will see leadership at every stage of life if people choose to turn that on. And we have seen that here in Tennessee over the last couple of weeks. We have seen Over 7,000 students and young leaders go to the Capitol to talk about what John Lewis and Diane Nash talked about, the importance of freedom, the importance of liberty, the importance of respecting the right of all people to live where they receive dignity, where they live in a place that they can be free from harm. And so we are here understanding the broad shoulders upon which we all stand. Those fighters for freedom and liberty and justice. Those fighters who understood the truth must never be stifled or silenced when it is on behalf of the people. And so I want to start by recognizing the Tennessee Three. We are here because they and their colleagues the Democratic Caucus of the State Legislature. And I'd ask you to stand as well, please. Because they chose to show courage in the face of an extreme tragedy, which is that 11 days ago, Six people, three educators, and three babies, nine years old, were murdered senselessly due to gun violence. They chose to lead and show courage to say that a democracy allows for places where the people's voice will be heard and honored and respected. And they understood the importance, these three, of standing to say the people will not be silenced, to say that a democracy hears the cries, hears the pleas, who hears the demands of its people who say the children should be able to live and be safe and go to school and not took an oath to represent the people who elected us, that we speak on behalf of them. It wasn't about the three of these leaders. It was about who they were representing. It's about whose voices they were channeling. Understand that, and is that not what a democracy allows? He says you don't silence the people. You do not stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking. So they turned off the microphones. They tried to tell them to sit down and be quiet. But they understood that the voices must be heard. So think about this. In order to make sure the voices were represented in that place where elected leaders are supposed to lead in a democracy, These leaders had to get a (laughs) bullhorn. if the mom's demand, if the people's demand is not being heard by those who should listen and care and contemplate and reflect and think about, maybe I should give this a moment to listen. Give it a fair chance to be heard. If I feel like I'm so right, shouldn't I have the courage to debate it? Make your case. Make your case. You don't turn off the microphone. they do that and then guess what because you know what can't have those voices in that room challenging notions about who should say what and when and where let's expel them can you imagine let's get rid of them entirely let's remove them not only for that moment but remove these people who have been elected to represent the people. And let us decide who should represent the people. What is that? That is not a democracy. That is not a democracy. You can't walk around with your lapel pin And you're not representing the values that we hold dear as Americans. Yeah. You can't walk around and talk about protocol. Protocol and procedures were devised to require and allow and encourage debate and discussion and yes dissension. Yeah. But these tried to shut it down instead. But we're not having that. (laughs) We're not having that. And so the thousands of young leaders who descended on the Capitol and continue to organize, continue to require that the voices be heard. Because let's understand the underlying issue it's about fighting for the safety of our children. <laughs> Saying that, you know, our babies are going to school. It's been years now where they're taught to read and write and hide in a closet and be quiet if there is a mass shooter at their school where our children, who have God's capacity to learn and lead, who go to school in fear, if their back is to the back of the door, that they don't know what might be coming through the door. Our children are being traumatized by this fear. Parents are wondering and asking, and praying every time they send their child to school or take their child to school that their baby might come home safe. Yes. Think about the underlying issue. You know, some things are up for partisan debate. Sure. And they will, because that is also a sign of a democracy. But on the issue, of smart gun safety laws. Background checks. Background checks. The policy is really pretty straightforward. It's to say you might want to know before someone buys a gun whether they've been found by a court to be a danger to themselves or others, you just might want to know. (laughs) You might want to know if someone has shown themselves to be violent before they can go and buy a gun. You just might want to know. It's reasonable. The mayor talked about red flag laws. When we know and when a community or a family knows Shouldn't we listen? Shouldn't we listen? Assault weapons. These are weapons of war. These are weapons that were designed to kill a lot of people quickly. No place on the streets of a civil society. is let's not fall for the false choice, which suggests you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want reasonable gun safety laws. We can and should do both. Don't fall for the false choice. So the underlying issue is one, that we are witnessing over and over again. This community experienced it firsthand just 11 days ago. I have been to Atlanta. I have been to Buffalo. I have been to Highland Park and Monterey Park. Just in the last several months, You know, and, and the thing is, is that it's not like we're trying to figure out how we should deal with a policy around smart gun safety laws. The ideas are there. The issue, which gets back to these three, is that we need leaders who have the courage to act. in the United States Congress
6: have the courage to act
9: instead of the cowardice to not allow debate and to not allow a discussion on the merits of what is at stake. You can't call yourself a leader if you don't have the courage to know what is right and act on it regardless of the population. to close with this point. I do believe that every generation has its calling. That there are moments in time that find you and require and depend on your leadership. And so, in particular, to all the young leaders here, This issue is going to require your leadership. It is. I spent time as the United States Senate — senator in the United States Congress. Before that, I was an attorney general, leading the second-largest Department of Justice in the United States. I am now Vice President of the United States. And I'm telling you — I'm sharing that with you. I'm sharing that with you, the young leaders here, to tell you we need you. We need you. Every movement, every movement, in my perspective, that has been about progress in our country was led by the young leaders like John Lewis and Diane Nash and you. the justice. Every one of them. And so we are going to be depending on you, in solidarity with the work we will all do in our respective positions, to lead. You speak with such clarity. You speak by telling the truth through a lived experience. Your voices are part of the conscience of our country. When we need, in these moments in time, people who have something in them that is about empathy, about care, about a sense of responsibility for their brother and sister. We need you all. And your leadership in this movement is going to impact people that you may never meet, people who may never know your name. But because of your leadership, they will forever be benefited. So I say all that to say, we will not be defeated, we will not be deterred, we will not
13: If you dare.
2: Vice President Kamala Harris speaking at Fisk University in their chapel, uh, firing that audience up. Uh, Of course, um, she is there standing in support of the Tennessee Three, Justin Pearson, Justin Jones, as well as Gloria Johnson, Representative Gloria Johnson. She was the only one of the three who was not expelled by Republicans in the legislature on yesterday. Uh, You might remember Justin Jones uh, said that he was being treated like he was an uppity Negro. Uh, As one one of my fan members, I don't know who sent me this shirt. I thought it was appropriate to wear today. Um, Matt, uh, you were speaking before we left. That right there uh, definitely was, uh, I would say, Vice President Kamala Harris in her bag.
11: Yeah, definitely. She struck the exact tone that she needed to strike, and I'm glad that she did. Um, I think the reality of this, though, is... What we're looking at is, you know, in America, there are two different standards for black people and white people. We know that. But we know in about three months, people will be celebrating the Fourth of July, and they'll be celebrating the Boston Tea Party and the colonizers standing up to tyranny, right? But this is what we see. We see that these rules and these moving goalposts are always applied to black people when it comes to protest or when it comes to anything that Republicans can dog-whistle and try to slide into not meeting decorum. And that's what's so heinous about this, is that the underlying thing that they're protesting is gun violence in the wake of yet another heinous, tragic mass shooting. I mean, it's, it's absurd to me that, one, they would take that political position, but, two, that you would ostracize and expel two young men who are standing for their constituents the, my understanding is the mother of one of the, the children that was lost was there thanking her her uh, you know person who represents her. So it's an absurd idea that they would be vilifying this. And it's... I'm glad that Gloria Johnson took the position that she did and said, look, you know exactly why I didn't get expelled, because I'm a white woman, because that's the reality of what it is. We see this in all aspects, and it's uh, abhorrent that it's happening. And it's frankly terrifying, because what you're seeing not only in Tennessee, but in Texas and all these other places. Are you saying that Republicans are just not reticent to use their power and they're willing to change the rules at all times that it benefits them? But this is wholly undemocratic. I mean, especially considering George Santos has lied about everything a person can lie about, and he's still sitting in Congress. If you can't figure out a way to expel George Santos, but you can figure out a way to expel these guys, it's because you want— to expel these young black men who were standing up for the cause.
2: Uh, Candace, um, you heard the vice president make it plain that she and President Joe Biden will be standing for those fighting for gun control. But uh, she invoked uh, the names of John Lewis, Diane Nash, and she said to young people, we need you to rise to this occasion. That, to me is exactly what needed to be said. And I've been saying, when millennials and Gen Z's begin to vote their numbers, they can change this country
8: absolutely and you know the speech that she gave was so on, on point especially because all of the dogs were barking at the same time everything was lined up and she had that moment and the time look she wasn't talking from a teleprompter she had a few notes but she was really speaking from her heart to make her point that you know these young people who got into office they got into office for the very thing that they were expelled for you go to the floor you ask questions and you have a debate And if you have to have to have the courage in order to have the debate. You can't be a coward, like she said. So her message for young people to get out there and march on, as she said, as she ended the speech, I think really, really hit home. And it's just good to hear from someone like Kamala Harris, take the floor at this time, and really speak to those students in a way where it felt like, you know, sometimes your mama was talking to you in the middle of your kitchen. Like, you go do this because it is incumbent upon you. The world has called upon you to do this. So go ahead and rise to the occasion. We have your back. It was a fiery speech. And I think that it was just perfect timing. um, And it was good to see her there at Fisk University.
0: Michael.
1: Yeah, Roland, this is, a, this is a powerful speech. I think this is a inflection point, point. And she was uh, absolutely correct to invoke the names of John Lewis and Diane Nash. And it was about April of 1960 that John Lewis and Diane Nash and others like Reverend C.T. Vivian were involved in uh, protests in Nashville, Tennessee to break the back of segregation and them and those and others engaged in the economic boycott of the downtown business district to break the back of segregation and it was very successful so we have to connect economic withdrawal strategies that were used in the past to what's going on right now because this is one of the ways they were able to do that uh, eyes on the prize deals with this the segment dealing with ain't scared of your jails 1960 1961 they they go in depth and talk about how they organized and how they imposed economic uh, withdrawal strategies in the downtown business district so and, and, and it's important for us to understand um, uh, Tennessee is where the Ku Klux Klan was founded, December 24th, 1865, Pulaski, Tennessee. Tennessee is where Nathan Bedford Forrest was from one of the first grand words of the Ku Klux Klan, and it wasn't until July of 2021 that they removed the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was a traitor to the Union and led the Fort Pillow Massacre of about 200 uh, African-American Union soldiers, April 1864. They removed his bust from the state capitol in Tennessee in July 2021 to the protest of some of these same white men who ousted these two brothers yesterday. We have to understand this history and how it's it's relevant right now.
2: Uh, We do have some other... I'm going to do this real quick before I go uh, to uh, my next guest. We do have some other breaking news, uh, and that is a federal judge in Texas uh, has ruled it unconstitutional, has put a ban on the abortion pill drug that was approved by the FDA a couple of decades ago. Uh, Here is uh, the ruling uh, right here. It came out of Amarillo. Uh, Candace, uh, many people say that the Republicans went judge shopping. This is a Trump appointee uh, who made this ruling. Uh, there's a stay. In, uh, the FDA is going to appeal, uh, but this judge is saying that, the, that this the abortion pill will be uh, banned nationwide. This single federal judge, this ruling uh, will impact the entire nation. Uh, your uh, thoughts about this decision?
8: Well, you know, it's just the way that Trump has worked over the years, right? He strategically placed, you know, over 100 judges into place that he wanted them to be in for these types of moments to happen, and it is, in fact, playing out. The reason that we have this one judge... Um, Doing this is because it sets a precedent for other areas in the country. And when there is no precedent to go upon, you have to look at the only precedent that's on paper. And so that's why this is going to have reverberating effects. Um, and and what Trump has done you know, some people have called it very smart, right? Because he placed people in the places that he wanted them in order to make it happen. But as you talked about in this breaking news, the FDA is going to appeal this. This is something that we will not hear the end of. I don't think it's something that is going to work because it affects so many people. And we're not just talking about black and brown people. We are talking about masses of people. It certainly affects us in a different way. But when you are affecting the masses, the same way we were talking about with the assault bans and weapons, and you have young people who are out there and people from different races who care about things like this, it really makes an impact. They may have the say today, but this is certainly not the end of it. But as you said, its effects are real because this is the only game in town and this is what people are looking to.
2: Going to a break here, uh, but let me go ahead and say this before we go to the break and I just wanna be clear uh, as possible, okay? I'm not gonna mince any words right here. For all of you trifling punk ass people who sit out there and you make comments on message boards, and you post on social media, and you say stuff in barbershops and beauty salons, and you say that Judge Katanji Brown Jackson was performative politics by President Joe Biden. When you say that voting doesn't matter, here's perfect proof where a single federal judge can issue a ruling that impacts the entire country. I have said numerous times why voting matters, because guess what? Whoever is the president gets to pick federal judges. Whoever is in the United States Senate, the Senate who controls it, they get to confirm federal judges. And these people are there for life. And so for all y'all people who love to sit here and talk about who's a Democratic shield and this, that, and the other, do understand that these federal judges can impact your black ass every single day. There are people who literally are sitting in prison because some conservative federal judge will not look at the evidence that could free them from jail. There are people who have been sent to prison, and they have been freed because of federal judges. Federal judges, the power that they have is enormous. If you need any further evidence that one federal judge in Amarillo, Texas can issue a ruling that impacts the entire country... but you still have these simple Simons out here who say voting is a waste of my time I don't see anything changing well guess what the folks who oppose you they are voting they're voting in Tennessee they're voting in Mississippi they're voting in Florida they're voting in Texas and if you think for a second that they don't understand the power well then you absolutely are clueless Folks, this is why this is called all hands on deck. Because what we are facing, we are facing folks on the right who absolutely want to control every facet of this country, the federal level, the House, the Senate, the White House, the courts, governor's mansions, state legislatures, county commission's courts, city halls, and you better decide Which side are you on? Those who are in the game or those who get played by the game? Going to a break. Folks, support us in what we do. Guess what? The other networks were focusing on the abortion issue. We care. The vice president's speech live. This is why your support matters. We don't have millionaires and billionaires who fund us. Your dollars make the difference, folks. And so, send check and money orders. Join our Bring the Fun Fan Club. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing on average 50 bucks a year at four dollars and 19 cents a month, 13 cents a day. Trust me, y'all. Every dollar absolutely matters, especially while I'm out here fighting these ad agencies and these companies that don't want to support black-owned media. So send your check-in money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196, Cash App, Dollar Sign, RM Unfiltered, PayPal is RM Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zale is Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. When we come back, we'll talk the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstone Network.
8: I lost my daughter. I didn't know where she was. So I had to figure out how to survive, how to eat, how to live. I don't want to go into to the Got details because she's here first of all. She may not want me telling that story. But uh, um, possession of her, we, the family broke down, fell apart. I was homeless. Uh, I had to figure out, I, I didn't have a manager or an agent or anybody anymore, and I'm the talent. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to be the agent. And mm. I had to figure out, how does business work?
5: Next on The Black Table, with me, Greg Carpenter. Dr. Kwasi Kanadu,
1: author, scholar, and healer. He is one of the truly representative thinkers and activists of our generation. I had a dream, you know, um, a particular night, and when I woke up, several ancestors came to me, and they came to me and said, "We really like what you're doing, but you have to do more. His writing provides a deep and unique dive into African history through the eyes of some of the interesting characters who have lived in it, including some in his own family. The multi-talented, always fascinating Dr. Kwesi Kanadu on the next Black Table here on the Black Star Network.
9: Hey, I'm Anthony Smith. Hey, I'm Arnaz Jane. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin, unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really,
8: it's Roland Martin. <laughs>
2: Folks, June marks the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And uh, there are many people who have been very much involved in the growth of uh, this phenomenon created by African-Americans. Two of those folks, Chuck D and Daddy-O, they are back, folks, 30 years after the release of Self-Destruction for a collaboration of a new project in the movement uh, called Stop Self-Destruction in the vein of the Stop the Violence movement, started by rapper KRS-One in 1989 in response to violence in the hip hop and African American communities. They've also partnered with the music label opposition to help artists uh, succeed on their own terms. Joining us right now are both of them, uh, Daddy-O, as well as my longtime homeboy, uh, Chuck D. Glad to have both of you here. First, before we get into the collaboration, let's first deal with, I gotta just get y'all thoughts on what you see unfolding uh, there in Tennessee.
13: Chuck, Star. Um,
10: well, it, it, it's it's major, and you see the exuberance and the enthusiasm of, of um, I would say, the hip-hop nation, since the hip-hop nation has had um, 10 generations in it for 50 years, every five years. And so the news and the sparks that I've gotten out of there is young people really stepping up and, and making some noise. And um, that's always been a hip hop sensibility, and I didn't get it through the news better than I've gotten it through um, young people online.
13: Daddy go ahead. Uh, I think he said. I think he said a lot. I think. Um. I think organizing is a is a force, and I think organizing is a factor. Um. And as we talk about hip hop in its fiftieth anniversary. Um, Those are the type of things that we want to bring to the forefront. Um, There's a lot of things that are happening that young people are not involved in. And we know that they should be involved. And we think that this music can help them. We've seen music be uh, a force for that in the past. and We've done it throughout our entire careers, Um, Stetisonic and Public Enemy has done it throughout our entire careers. But um, with this Stop Self-Destruction movement, we want to move a lot of that forward and get a lot of the issues out, like be able to talk about it. But here's the deal, right? A lot of this stuff is not being talked about on record. And so honestly, that's kind of sort of the reason young people are not involved, because their whole life is music now. It used to be a little different when we was talking about um, records and eight tracks and cassettes. The accessibility wasn't there as it is on the internet. Their life is music now. So we got to get in that.
10: Hey, 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 Brother Roland. Yeah, Remember, you know, they blame hip hop for so long and they blame young people for the gun violence. And this was born out of the 1980s. When the same thing they talk about is a national problem with the guns and the NRA and the lawmakers and the gun makers, we addressed these issues in the 80s because it got out of hand to silence. it was silence in the 1980s when there were shootings in schools, um, when there was sh- shootings in the street. Uh, the, the gangs uh, accelerated because there was this quick money because all of a sudden, out of nowhere... You had guns and you had drugs. And this happened to be along the recorded ascent of hip hop. So the biggest discussion of hip-hop at that particular time in the mid-80s was going and say, like, well, you know, we're going to talk about this self, you know, this, this self-destruction, the gun violence that that they they're ignoring. But this is number one on our charts, is something we got to deal with. Fast forward to 2023. Uh fast forward to the twenty teens. And the biggest issue is like, why are all these shootings happening? And the faces that are actually behind a lot of it aren't black youth. Uh so now it's come up uh, you know, to the top of the uh, uh, uh the to the top of the of the water chain. And everybody's like, "Wow, this is something we gotta deal with." And then when the hypocrisy comes on how to deal with this, uh, with this, um, let's say the manufacturing, the distribution, and how guns ends up in all these hands, now you see the, you know, the real, you know, color come out. Ain't that something? So young people have seen these hypocrisies. I'm saying young. I'm giving it 30 and under, Mm rolling, And 30 and under has been the language... Hip-hop has been the language to say, if we're not going to get on the news, we're going to actually step forward. And now technology has stepped alongside to be that extra springboard to the culture. So, and that's a long answer to your initial question. But um, once again, the language of of hip-hop is speaking large to that.
2: How are we, though... We, we talk about the music. We talk about the power in the music and the ability to reach people. Um, but it also is the question of what is being said in the music. Uh, and, and, and both of you can speak to that because obviously uh, there used to be uh, a different focus when it came came to what is being said. Uh, and uh, how are both of you looking to deal with other artists they, if they, if this changes and not just talking about whether it's cars or money or women or anything else, that they really can impact people in a very unique way if the message is speaking to them that's different. So
13: I think one thing to understand about hip-hop is, hip-hop has a non-violent origin, right? Hip-hop started, there's a movie, Ruble Kings, you could look it up. Hip-hop started because gangs in the Bronx made a truce then the Brooklyn guys came in, the Manhattan guys came in. Wasn't too many gangs in Queens. Um, they made a truce that they wasn't going to fight anybody anymore. And then all that competitive art, breakdancing, graffiti arts, DJing, the rapper came last, but rapping as well. That's what hip-hop was born out of, right? So we're talking about a, a, a music, a form of music with a nonviolent origin. The What Chuck and I have figured out is that we are in the con- like in the area of what we call absentee fatherism. Hear what I'm saying? If Young Thug is not my son, if Future is not my son, then whose son is he? Bon, jo- bon-, John bon Jovi's son? Bob Marley's son? Um, maybe Kenny Rogers' son? No. So all these guys come out of us. But without the elders in the sport, like with anything else, we just talked about John Lewis, like with anything else without the elders in the sport without the elders in the game then these kids are kind of going off in their own direction we don't think that they're demons we do think they're doing some demonic stuff but we we look to turn that around by being in the rooms with them a lot of what we're doing with stop self-destruction is organizing the young people and us together because i don't think that they've seen the likes of a Chuck D or Daddy-O in those studio sessions.
10: Also, um, to add on with Daddy-O, you know, because there hasn't been a, 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 a reaffirmation in this society of knowledge of self and who we are and who we are to the world, there's a fear of of aging. There's a fear of getting old uh, because you, you didn't, might not have had it from the age zero or how to appreciate and, and graduate year to year and, and to the age of young to older to old. So what hip hop has done, or I would say like myself, daddy-o, KRS-One, what we're trying to do at the Hip Hop Alliance with MC Lightning, the elder Curtis Blow and others, we're trying to draw the line to say, this is a language that could go across 50 years. And at the same time, at the end of that rainbow, you see that there is a a, there is a, a, a great attribute to, to being able to age as a black person in the society that has still so much against you. But it's your GPS, so to speak. And hip hop has been a GPS when you use it right. When it's used by somebody else, um, it ends up being COINTELPRO hip hop, like Jadio said, started out against COINTELPRO. Pro.
2: Gentlemen, hold tight one second. I'm gonna to go to break and I want to pick up on that. My panel has some questions for you uh, as well. Folks, we're talking with uh, Chuck D and Daddy-O about uh, the collaboration uh, that they're doing. Uh, we'll be back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Uh, and so we'll go to commercial break. But first, let's tell you about uh, something that Candice, uh, she actually has a company beyond her legal, uh, legal stuff. And that is Curl Prep Natural Solutions. Uh, Her product is organic. It's a uh, two-step curl-defining system. Uh, This video here, you can check it out. People have been lining up to see the product in action at the hair shows. When they take a seat to try it, they simply don't believe it is their hair. Now you can, of course, access the products at curlprep.com, uh, curlprep.com, it works on any hair. It has two steps, a uh, sweet butter and a sweet defining gel, both at curlprep.com. And parents, you can also, you'll love this system because you can comb the product through your child's hair with your fingers. And of course, our seasoned saints, they love the product as well. It has products that are great for twists, braids, locks, weaves, even those wigs and extensions, folks. Go to curlprep.com, you won't not believe it's your hair. We certainly appreciate, uh, uh, of course, is partnering with us. And so, again, the website is curlprep.com. Check it out. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us.
13: If you dare.
2: Uh, speaking to our issues and concerns.
1: This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's
2: a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause 0196 the cash app is dollar sign rm unfiltered paypal is r martin unfiltered venmo is rm unfiltered zale is rolling at rolandsmartin.com
8: on the next a balanced life with me dr jackie re-entry anxiety a lot of us are having trouble transitioning in this post-pandemic society and don't even realize it we are literally stuck between two worlds in purgatory how to get out of purgatory and regain your footing and balance what emotions they're feeling and being able to label them because as soon as you label an emotion it's easier to self-regulate it's easier to manage that emotion next a balanced
9: life on black star network
13: Hello, I'm Bishop T.D.J.
4: Hi, i am doing? it. It's your favorite funny girl, Amanda Seals. Hi,
13: I'm Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
2: All right, welcome back to Rolling Martin Unfiltered with uh, music artists Chuck D and Daddy-O. Questions from my panel. Michael, you am up to help you first.
1: All right, Chuck D and Daddy, yo, hey, grew up on hip-hop, love Public Enemy, and Stes- uh, uh I know Professor Griffey's a friend of mine. Um, what I wanted to talk about, uh, ask the question, when we talk about the four elements of hip-hop, DJing, MCing, graffiti, and breakdancing, the fifth element is knowledge. How do we hold record companies accountable today to put the knowledge back into hip-hop like it was in the golden age, late 80s and early 90s, when we can hear that on the radio, mainstream hip-hop, we can hear the knowledge, Public Enemy, X clan, et cetera, Stetsasonic, et cetera. How do we do that? It's so like some can... of the str-
10: Yeah, it's like one of the struggles that 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 Roland Martin has. You know, we we have to build our own. That's the best protest. And getting the getting the the audience to come to our culture, knowing that, okay, there's two forces next to each other. And mm-hmm. yeah, we we got colored on ours, but they got white on theirs, and people think they got ice in their water. I'm just like saying our culture. When you wait for somebody to tell your story instead of you telling your your story, just to make it to the radio, just to make it to these apparatuses and gadgets, you know, you you have to have, you know, your know, your best confidence of knowing who you are. And here's another thing, brother. In whole tip, you know, if you ain't got no no connection into the diaspora. Why are you trying to bang the walls in in a in a um a a captive situation in the United States of America when we have advantages as opposed to disadvantages? I've been to 116 countries around the planet. Hip hop has been in every single one of those countries. They bought me there. Right. All right. Right. So so what what audacious nature do we think as USA thinking that we're at the top of the food chain in our culture? When we really probably in the middle of the pack, this is like 50 years to the art form. The whole world is, you know, uh, 360 degrees. So I mean, really seriously, there's other situations that have not only just picked up on hip hop; they could spit different languages and they found ways to integrate it into leadership. So I think sitting here <laughs> waiting that we gotta uh, to box ourselves in a hot box. And think we have no connection to the world to learn from is one of our culture's biggest mistakes. And so, um, hmm. if we don't have if you don't have knowledge of yourself, and you don't connect yourself with the diaspora, you you, you know you do
13: mudslinging in somebody
10: else's backyard.
2: Dario,
13: yeah, I mean the labels are not part of our equation. What? I mean I've been signed to SpitSlam for six years, seven years. I mean Chuck's been doing the independent thing for most of us for the last few years. We don't look at the labels at all anymore. Like, we're not thinking about them. Because I I don't think it's—I think that's old, right? I I think it's real old to even think that a record label is going to partake in what we're trying to do. And and, and, and especially when when we talk about impart knowledge. So— because of technology, because of the way things are, again, going back to no more black lacquer records, no more 8-tracks, no more cassettes, because with digital distribution. I say this to everybody, distribution could be a, a, a hot sauce bottle now because all you got to do is have a barcode on a hot sauce bottle. So the bottom line is that record companies are not, to your question, record companies are not part of our equation. Hmm. Yeah,
10: and, and also okay. to add to that, you know, like, I mean, you have, like in the, in the world of jazz, you have so many of our people that don't know Sonny Rollins. And Sonny Rollins is still here on his own, own terms, making truth the power and knowledge yourself, and all that. But the fact of what, he's not on um, a major news network or a major uh, media machine every day, so we would know, or he's not on a radio station. So, you know, so my whole thing of always <clears throat> got to be shining on on somebody else's platform in order for you to be known. I've, I've, you know, and to to my detriment, too, I've been so independent right throughout that I have settled to saying who comes to the party is who comes to the party. And that's what it is. We're going to deal with that audience and trying to beg an audience to come and saying this is good for them. But we still got to keep on keeping on being honest and truthful to the art form. And the art form... It might have started as, as a term of hip-hop in 1973. But our art goes well, you know, centuries and eons before that. And if you don't right. understand that, that we've always been creative people at the beginnings of time, and all of a sudden you want to start it at a hip-hop date, then you shorten yourself. Hmm.
2: Candice. All right, thank
8: you. So a lot of these artists, especially during COVID, sold their catalogs. And I'm wondering in the hip hop community, do you get a sense that people are interested in selling or are there rumblings about some of the big artists that we know that might cross over into that arena and say, "You know what? It's time to sell?
13: I'm surprised yeah. they had they I- thought they had it in the first place, right? right. I, I think so I think that I think selling your catalog is it, that's a that's a play for money, right? Because the bottom line with us as hip hoppers, and this is just the honest-to-God truth, I could sell my catalog and make 50,000 records in two more weeks. Like, that's what we right. do. We wrap on records. So the bottom line is that we, we may not value these catalogs the way people from the outside see the catalogs. They might see it as them. We don't see the catalogs as us. We're right. us. So we can make more of that. And I think that when you see people sell catalogs, It's a money play. It's a money play more than it is... uh, Put it this way, and then, Chuck, you could add on. Selling your catalog is not selling your soul. I'm saying that.
10: Right. You got all kinds of music and different things integrated into your music anyway. Understand this. The reason... There's always a reason for something to happen like it did. This is a play between the technology companies and the in the software companies, those that had the catalogs in the first place, are a partnership in it, and they know where it's going to go in the next 10 years. And matter of fact, the technology companies know where it's going to go the next 10 years. Many of us sitting right here have no no clue or idea. There's a reason why there's a, a selling of a catalog, because they know where a, a song is going to sit in 2032. And we might not know how they all lined it up, because... A lot of the tech companies are in partnership or now owning the software. So this is where, like Daddy O said, yeah, it's a money play, but you got to really know what this game is in order for you to play that game or you will get played. So, you know, it's almost like housing person sells a house and they say, okay, it's the time to sell. Now I'm going to buy another house. you got to get in that game. This kid's like, oh, you sold your house. And the house is falling apart. It's all raggedy. They were going to take it away from you anyway. you got to really seriously know who you are and what you have. And then, you know, if you <coughs> sell a catalog, it's like, okay, that, that, is that the end of your lifespan? Is that the end of whatever you're going to pass along? Being in the music game is that you, you're, you're a perpetual creator. You're always creating things for somebody, you know, me, I sold some song rights, but at the same time, I'm also in the tech game creating an app that's going to probably have, you know, maybe 150 catalogs thread through it. But, you know, we as a people are, 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 like, almost in fifth grade. We love the music, we love our artists, but we know nothing about the industry that delivers to us. Same thing like being a ball fan. Like, oh, I love my, my sports teams, but we're nowhere... Into understanding the mechanics of why you're checking out a game in the first place, although the athlete comes from your neighborhood, but the mm. game is created, created from somewhere else. So knowledge of the game is very important. In sports, we can't leave it all up to ESPN to teach us everything, but they do a better <laughs> job of teaching sports than anything teaches us about music. And my my good brother Daddy O is probably he's called Professor Daddy O for a reason. You know, I looked at him as being a person that's taught me, and he's, like, really a modern-day griot of hip-hop and rap music. And 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 our respect goes back, like, 40 years in understanding the seed of this genre. And when we actually hear something being said about it from left field, we look at it side-eye and examine it and say, you know what, they needed a more scholarly scholarly answer that had a little street to it that really would make people understand.
11: Matt. So my question is about the initiatives and how you brothers are populating, uh, you know, the projects that you come up with. How are you identifying artists? How are you identifying um, initiatives that you want to include in the initiative? And it's my understanding that this came out of a conversation at South by Southwest, is that right, Uh, in Austin?
13: Uh, not all of it. Um, we, we, we've been talking about this for quite a few years. If you're talking about stop self-destruction, we've been talking about this for quite a few years. Um, one of the things that we noticed, um, is that as, as we move into the political arena, um, and, and some of the cultural arena of black folks, um, you know, the troubles, the issues, music has become less and less, a part of that, right? So in the first self-destruction, we talked about violence, and that was the focus. Somebody got killed. um, A guy got killed over his chain, and we all came out and and spoke against it and spoke to young people about, you know, possibly stopping some of the madness that was going on. This time around, like I say often, often, we never thought we would be hearing the words hip-hop and suicide in the same sentence, you know, hip-hop and fentanyl in the same sentence. But we have it, right? I mean, even, I guess two days ago it came out that, you know, the cause of death for, for, for Coolio was, was fentanyl. So we aim to address all of these ills on this next project. How we identify artists is, is just based on what they talk about. So I always give the, 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 the way we want to thread it, right? So I give the, 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 the scenario of you take a guy like Moneybag Yo from Memphis, you make a record called Where Did All My Money Go? And then you lock him into somebody that's doing financial literacy. Because what we want to do with this, the identification for us this time is identifying with the people that do the real work, which is why we are unfiltered anyway. Cause Roland gonna blow us up, right? <laughs> um, um, we 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 want to identify with the people that's doing the real work, right? right, right. We, we want to know who's feeding the soup kitchens. We want to know who's 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 stopping them. Look, Tyrone Williams of 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 cold Chillin has a program in New York where he has a 100% graduation rate for felons. Mm. That's what we're talking about. We want to identify with the people that's doing the real work because you know why? Most of the time, the people that's doing the real work, besides for rolling open in his big mouth, nobody knows. Right. Right. Nobody knows. They think we not, look, they think we out here not doing nothing, bro. Right, <laughs> right, so right. right. Listen to me, man. Listen to me. I've been rapping since 79. I'm 62 years old, bro. Mm. So I'm around my age group all the time. They think we not doing nothing. So I'm like, okay, I hear you. I know what I've been doing individually. I know what Chuck's been doing individually. We friends. We business partners. Watch this. Mm.
2: And Chuck, to that point, the reality is uh, why the media is important. First of all, you take the music, it's about messaging, but also if you do not have that media platform, to uh, Daddy-O's point, folks, it's like a tree falling in a forest, which is why, again, I keep trying to tell our people, I'm, we can't keep begging, oh my goodness, I hope, perfect, perfect example, okay? You know, the abortion pill uh, ruling came down. I, we were carrying Vice President Kamala Harris's speech at Fisk. I, I right. said to my staff, "I said, tell me what's on MSNBC and CNN right now." They weren't carrying her speech right. live. They were discussing uh, the abortion pill ruling. Well, first of all, that that's a ruling. It ain't going anywhere for a week. But she's speaking live. Well, right. because because we I own this. We can't hear stuff live. We can talk about that, that decision later. And so it's a matter of who controls that platform. And for our people, we just got to stop waiting and get, say, the hell with white validation, hoping they cover our stuff so we can get information. We got to support our own. Go ahead, Chuck.
10: Yeah, well, white folks are going to come anyway. They, the white folks are going to come in as fanatics if you do your thing right. They, you know, we have that problem in news media on knowing uh, who we are and where our news is at. And you've answered to that, Roland. You could imagine that culture and music. It seems like after 1980, the knowledge of what the music is, the artists, the labels, the songwriters—you know—it was just like erased from us. And radio was one of the first culprits when they used to say more music less talk yep. when the dj's were everything they were you know they were our gps so hip hop took over to become a gps on its own but we you know 50 years later we said okay that gps needs interpreters and gps almost in the same way that jocks used to break it down They used to break down songs. And you knew the uh, the members of Earth, Wind & Fire. And and you knew Charles Stephanie. It wasn't a, a, a rare thing. Has been providing for a very long time. So we just realized and said, we have to create our own media machines, magazines, and things that are serious. Yep. Sometimes you got to make a decision that better is better than bigger. Yes. Because once people think that bigger is better, that's one of the first mistakes that you make and trying to get the word to black folk.
2: Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, I say that to people all the time. Uh, and uh, I'm like, guys, look, I'm not waiting on them. Because if you wait on them, we're going to be waiting. And then we going to get mad. Well, why didn't y'all cover it? Because they're going to determine what the hell they want to do. Uh, and again, just because you got black faces and white spaces don't mean that they running the show.
10: Yeah, and, and I break it down like this. Daddy-O, if he sells 100 records, Sometimes we have to say, you know, we moved a 100 of those records, not by begging to get a 1,000 through this other medium. He, 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 it's about being able to secure and lock in with an audience and deal with the... It's a slow process of one by one, get one at a time, but it culminates. And if you get an industry that also goes one by one, right. there's, a, there's a respect in that. And this is one of the reasons I work with the Hip Hop Alliance. You know, it, it's only—it's only power, you know, uh, end of the road power conversations that's going to be relevant is the collective of many of us. Yeah. Because the burden of individuals There's, is so just too, too much. Individual.
2: And look, uh, as look and look, you guys have been on. Let's see, we came on, and just to, to your point, and I'm just telling you just from cash app standpoint. When you talk about, you see it one by one, Latoya Grigler, Tommy Williams, Color Girl Art, Larry Roundtree, Corey, Byron Wiley, Angela Good, Kathy Wiley, Keith Williams, Joan Warren, Tracy Dupree, Audrea, Eula Mylon, Patricia Jones, Eric Merriweather, Shelly J, Daryl Dark, Erica George, Solomon Morris, Donald, Robert Brown, Vincent Williams, Brenda Lewis, Donald White, Derek Clarkson, Deidre Washington, all those folks have given since y'all have been on. And that's the thing I keep explaining to people. Hey, take your audience, build your audience to your point. If you sell 100 records, yeah. I'm not sitting here going, oh man, I wish a 1,000. Hey, we gonna appreciate every dollar. Look, it's 10, 5, 20, 150, but we can't wait for somebody else uh, to build it and to save us when we have the capacity to do it ourselves. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, you certainly welcome back anytime, Uh, Daddy-O. I've known Chuck for years, and so uh, he has all my information. So We gotta talk. We gotta talk. Absolutely, absolutely. And as I always say, uh, we ain't gotta ask permission here because I own this shit. Yep, and let let (laughs) us do whatever we could
10: do to, to, you know, help you, Brother Romo, anytime, you know. And, And that's what it's about. It's not even about making sure that we get to shine. We have a genre and an art form that's worldwide that we feel that can be an asset to such a power situation as you, and then it's reciprocated. Yes, it's sir. It's in the movement, man. It's an organic yes. thing when it's family.
2: Yes, sir. Gentlemen, yes, sir. I appreciate it. Daddy-O, Chuck D, thanks so much. Good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, folks, going to a quick break. We come back, we'll talk with the mother of Ronald Green, get an update on that case. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. On the Black Star Network. Oh, and by the way, uh, Candace says, uh, I didn't didn't have it. If you uh, pull the video again, curlprep.com. If you use the promo code ROLAND, you get a 30% discount using the promo code ROLAND, lowercase uh, R-O-L-A-N-D. Again, go to C-U-R-L-P-R-E-P.com. C-U-R-L-P-R-E-P.com. Promo code ROLAND. 30% discount.
8: the hidden impacts of climate change that land harder in Black, Brown, and Native communities.
10: Not many people talk about it because they clearly don't know our lives. But with President Biden's landmark infrastructure and climate plans, our issues are finally seen.
7: Removing lead pipes means
8: we know our water is safe. Cutting carbon pollution helps our kids breathe easier. 1.5 million new jobs means stable work in communities. The
2: impact we need right now.
6: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, we're talking about the difficulty of being able to acquire wealth for Black Americans. My guest, Emily Flitter, is the author of The White Wall, How Big Finance is Bankrupting Black America.
3: The bad stuff that you feel when you're dealing with the financial services industry is
6: not your fault. It's not your fault and you don't deserve to be treated like this. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
10: We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network.
3: Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. soil, you-
2: I'm Vivian Green. Hi, I'm Wendell Pierce,
10: actor and author of The Wind in the Reeds.
2: Hey, yo, peace world, what's going on? It's the Love King of r b Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. All right, folks, it's been nearly four years since Ronald Green was beaten in 2019 during a traffic stop. Uh, by Louisiana state troopers. The officers involved will be in court next week uh, to enter a plea to charges ranging from negligent homicide, uh, malfeasance in office, and obstruction of justice. Joining me now uh, is uh, Ronald, uh, Ronald Green's mother, uh, Mona Harton. Hopefully we'll have uh, Mona uh, in a second. We're trying to get our audio straight. Uh, folks, this story has been a uh, shocking and stunning one for so long because, remember, they told... Uh, his mother, they told Mona and the family that he died in a traffic accident. It wasn't until the video was later released that showed that he was viciously beaten. Uh, Matt Manning, this is one of the most egregious cases we've seen. It led to a change in Louisiana state troopers, uh, numerous investigations. We, we, we discovered the line that was involved uh, and it went all the way up in Louisiana state troopers. Uh, one of the most uh, shocking and damning cases we've seen in a long time.
11: And each and every one of them needs to be buried under the jail. I mean, the fact that they not only didn't tell the truth about what happened, but covered it up. And then the state troopers continued to try to cast the family and people who were asking what was going on as though they were either releasing information in an unauthorized way or not releasing it with full context, with the full context being that not only did they kill Ronald Green in cold blood, but one of the officers had the audacity to joke that he hoped he didn't have AIDS because he had blood on him. I mean, we're talking as egregious as it gets, and it's gonna be very, uh, I think, difficult for the defense to make these officers look like anything other than cold-blooded killers. Now, I suspect that they decided to go with negligent homicide rather than murder because they were concerned about the mental state and having to prove that these officers did it intentionally but I suspect that a jury that hears this is not going to have any sympathy because all of that evidence about the lying is going to come in, right? And once that evidence comes in, it's going to show that this was done maliciously, and then they continue to cover it up in a conspiratorial way. So I'm glad this has finally come to light, but this is uh, proof positive that this kind of thing happens and that it happens at the highest level because customarily state troopers are generally a higher caliber of officers in a lot of places, right? So for them to do this and to lie about it the way that they did is particularly heinous.
2: Candace?
8: Uh, Well, what he said is correct. One of the things that's going to be key here is just the evidence in and of itself that what is it that they were trying to cover up to begin with. So they obviously knew that they were doing something wrong or they would not have tried to cover it up. It just also, you know, kind of leads you to, to just, it's reinforcement of the fact that you always have to question the system. It may take years, this took years because of all the lying, it took years because of COVID, it took years because the family begged, and finally a media outlet was able to get this information out to the public. You always have to question the system, even if you are dealing with troopers, which seem to be on a higher caliber. If you're at work, you can't trust human resources. If you're on the streets and the police, trust and the police stop you, you can't trust the media. You always have to go above, and you always have to question far and beyond to get to the truth. That's just the world that we live in, and that's what this family did, and that's why they were able to get this indictment. So it will be interesting to see what they plead. Of course, they're going to plead not guilty, but they're going to have a very difficult time in court because of all the evidence that sits before them.
2: Michael. Yeah, hopefully uh,
1: Roland the family will get justice for Ronald Green. This is a tragedy. It's a huge cover-up, even though there was video evidence as well. I agree with my two colleagues here, and and hopefully these officers um, get put up underneath the jail. But this is uh, another reason why video camera footage is so important, dash cam uh, footage, body camera footage, et cetera. And this is why it's important as well for... um, us to, at the same time, we hold these officers like this accountable and get them out of police departments, it's also important for those of us who want to be the type of officers we say we want to see to infiltrate these police departments as well. Oftentimes, we hear about, you know, white supremacists have infiltrated the police departments, which is a lie. They've always been there. You can't find a time in history when white supremacists have not been in the police departments. But there has to be an effort for us to infiltrate the police departments as well to change
2: a lot of these conditions also. Uh, indeed, um, Mona, are you, uh, do we have her? All right, um, we're trying to we're trying to get her straight with the audio, folks, just to get get her thoughts on this. Uh, we may have to uh, move this uh, to Monday. Uh, we're just trying to get it all together right now. Um, and so, folks, uh, it has been uh, again. This case has been one. Uh, that uh, people have been involved in. There have been protests. There have been rallies. Uh, A lot of pressure was put on uh, state officials in Louisiana uh, to come clean with regards to what actually happened uh, to Ronald Green. Uh, Again, there's an event taking place this weekend, folks. Uh, There, uh, and again, uh, you see it taking place, um, first of all, April 8th, uh, April 11th. Uh, And so, again, justice for Ronald Green. You see the flyer that's right there. And so we certainly hope. Uh, that folks uh, participate in that uh, and they actually um, uh, uh, support this family uh, in the actions uh, that that involve again. So these cops are going to be headed to court next week and we'll be covering that uh seems that we've had some issues technical issues trying to get uh ron green's mother up and so we will try uh to get her on uh next week um michael candace uh matt we certainly appreciate you joining us uh, as well we thank all the folks for watching us folks we need your support to do what we do uh, because trust me, uh, we're out here fighting the good fight against these advertisers, uh, and they make it very difficult. These companies and these ad agencies. And let me tell y'all, I'm just gonna be straight up. One of the things that they tell me, oh, um, uh, b- brand brand safety, because you know you cover politics, or they're afraid we might be talking about a police brutality case. And so a lot of these companies simply refuse to advertise at all, at all. And so that's why uh, all of our partners, the people who support us, we appreciate uh, the climate folks, the ads you've seen running. Uh, again, uh, Candace, uh, with Curl Prep, we've had other folks who supported us as well. Uh, but again, your resources matter, uh, and I can't implore you enough. When I say, and trust me, it is critically important for, our, for us to have those 20,000 donors contributing at least 50 bucks. Some people give more, some people give less, uh, because again, that million dollars, Folks allows for us to do what we do. Uh, I told you alone, the Black Star Network alone, in terms of those shows, our app, uh, and again, the streaming, that alone is $750,000 annually. That's not even counting this show. Uh, And so when people, people, people have been hitting me up, man, you need to be in Tennessee. Okay, that costs money. Okay, flying staff, crews, hotels, all those different things. And understand, Fox News, they do a billion and a half dollar profit a year. CNN, billion dollar profit. I didn't say revenue,
3: that's profit. And so.